this is really hard, you know. It's also the most rewarding thing you'll ever get to do. You know, like I said, when I was 18, 19, I was living in the city and I was still riding, but it was just miserable. Like I could feel the pull of something was missing. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. Everyone knows how much we love mane and tail. And recently, our little Stanley got a rash under his neck. Yes, yeah, so right under his collar, he got a rash. He started scratching. It got really, really red. Uh, I got worried. Well, we got worried. Okay. And we took him to the vet. So as everyone knows, we've talked about before on the show that our Sparky has bad coat and bad skin. And he's had allergies his whole life. And we've always struggled with that. And now here's Stanley started with us. So we were very worried. Took him to the vet, and the vet said, you know what the vet said, Karen? She said, use mane and tail protect. Protect line. So here's the deal. You can use protect every day on that hot spot, scratches. Rain rot, ringworm. Ringworm. So uh, there's directions on the bottle. Get the bottle, but you can use it every day. But the key is you got to let it sit on their coat for about 10 or 15 minutes. Let it really soak in because that contact is what's going to fix this. And let it dry really well. Don't let the water fester on there. So what we have to do is we have to let Stanley's collar off and let it air out really good. We don't want any moisture, which we think is possibly him running around and creeks and swimming (laughs) and all types of stuff. (laughs) You know how the barn dogs are. You have a barn dog at all. So Karen, tell us a little bit more about the Protect Line Shampoo. So it's a veterinary strength medicated shampoo that can uh, that provides a complete cleaning and protection treatment of tro- of topical skin problems. Okay, cool. So it's antifungal, antibacterial, does all the above. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. And it is pH balanced and safe for daily use. Yeah, so, and that's what I didn't realize is that we can use it every day to get this stuff cleared up. And we're using it every day and our dogs are... It's amazing. It's night and day how fast it cleared up. So I would use it, but I would use it like once once every week, and it was just wasn't enough contact. Right. So get that. And then they also have for in between baths. You just say you don't have time to give them a bath. Topical spray. So they have a Protect Line spray. It's an anti wound spray. Same thing. You know, if your horse, your dog, your cat, who knows? But we know these barn dogs are out there running around, getting into water. Uh, you know, water jumps on cross country and stuff like that. So really, really um, fantastic stuff. So Karen, people, how do how do people learn more? Uh, just go to maineandtailequine.com. And get it at your local tech shop, right, Karen? Yes. Cooler weather is just around the corner, so don't let your horse get caught in the cold. Yeah, a turtleneck has your horse's clothing needs covered, Karen. They sure do. Don't let your horse get caught out in the cold on that first cold night of the season. Now is the time to shop and purchase your fall and winter blankets, Karen. So how do people learn more? So for sizing and temperature guidelines, you can go to turtleneck.biz. Trish Scott's got us covered and she can cover you. Trish is on with us to talk about equine mortality and medical coverages, which is a lot of changes, Trish. So tell us what's going on in the industry right now and how can you help people? Yeah, there's a lot of changes going on in the equine mortality medical coverage right now. And I just wanted to put the word out there that we don't have to be afraid. Changes are coming, but 
um, I can certainly take care of, you know, whatever, you know, whatever questions, concerns, you know, our Avengers have. Right now, the biggest one is Great American is not offering any medical coverage to any renewals or new business. But, and the thing is with our Avengers, they're the one of the top three rated horses for mortality. So it's a very unique breed of animal, very unique training. So we need to make sure that your policy is covered. Um, I have access to some of the top rated carriers right now. They are all offering full mortality, medical, surgical, any coverage is needed for our Avengers. Don't worry about it. Just give me a call. I'd be more than happy to walk through your current policy and make sure that your renewal is covering your horse. Not a problem. Just give me a call. I'm always available. 484-319-8923. I am loving my new Monaco wedges by Fairfax and Favor. Yes, I saw them on your Tootsies the other day. They are very, very cute. And not only cute, but they're also very comfortable. Yeah, so they have a couple of really cool details as all Fairfax and Favor. As all Fairfax and Favor shoes have, Karen. So what are some of the cute little details you'll find on these shoes? So mine is the navy blue suede, and they have a navy blue tassel on the heel in the very Mm -hmm. back. And they also have the Fairfax and Favor shield, their logo, embossed in the front. Yeah, very, very well done. Very tasteful, but they definitely stand out. They're set apart from other wedges out there. They sure are. The tassel is a signature of Fairfax and Favor, so... That and the shield. So it's very cool that they incorporate them. And are they comfortable? How do they feel? Very comfortable. I could wear them all day. That's fantastic. And that's important for you. And so how do people find out more, Karen? They can go to fairfaxandfavor.com. Triple Crown Feed, Karen. Oh, yeah. Triple Crown. Big fans of Triple Crown Feed. They have tons of, of great products out there. Mm-hmm. Premium stuff. Karen, what do you got to say over there? So Triple Crown has formulas that are tailored to your horse's unique needs and help support immunity and gut health. Find your local Triple Crown Feed dealer by going to triplecrownfeed.com. Triplecrownfeed.com. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Triplecrownfeed.com. They have a great feed locator. They have a great feed comparison tool on their website. I encourage everyone to get over there. Check out Triple Crown Feed's website. Check out the different products. Check out what makes them so special. And give them a shot, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. Support the people to support the show. I'm Rob. And I'm Karen. And Rob's super excited about uh, tonight's guest. Absolutely. We love our West Coast guest. And we'd like to welcome to the show advanced rider and course designer, Mark Grandia. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, guys. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to get into this with you. Yeah, super cool. It's... uh. We don't get enough West Coast no, eventers on here, so, and I feel bad about that. And and uh, so sorry. It's well, so we're long. out here. Yeah, we're, we're here. We're ready to be interviewed. <laughs> that, yeah. Any friends you have out there, just please send them our way. The thing is, we're on East Coast, so it is kind of like yeah, makes we, it a little hard. Yeah, well, you know, we, you know, we're. You know, you always get in your little your little community, your little bubble, and then you you you, you know you need to always remember to, to look outside. Mm-hmm. So, well, thanks thanks a bunch for again for for joining us. This is super super exciting. Where um where are you at right now? Are you home out and about? Where where are you? Um, this is basically what we call the lounge area um for our barn. Um, it's the downstairs basement area of the house on site. Gotcha, gotcha. Are you? out west right now or are you at home in oh yeah I'm at, I'm at home well i mean not at home but yes i'm um i'm in my home and my hometown gotcha Put what is that, that hometown it's washington state what's the name of the town 
Uh, we're in, based in Duval right now. D-U-V-A-L-L. It's just a little town east of Seattle, Washington. Okay. Wow. Man, okay. you are up Duval. there. Duval. Duval. <laughs> I got to get out there. I, I would like to go see Washington. It State. is absolutely beautiful right now. I should send you guys a picture. We've got, a, we've got a, um, a water access trail, a hacking trail, I guess it is. It's a gravel road, basically. But it goes all the way from here to Seattle. Oh, wow. which is like 40 miles. Um, and right at the end of it, of where we are, there's, uh, and I'm not, I'm still not sure which mountain it is, but there, there's just a beautiful mountain. So right now it's all crested in snow. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty amazing place that we get to ride here. Yeah. I've seen the pictures of your place and it looks, it looks amazing. Yeah. So this trail, is it, is it a trail like you can hack a horse or ride a mountain bike or what, what type of? Um, yeah. So, well, you can do whatever. It's, um, it's the water access pipeline that serves the Seattle metro area. It's called the Tolt Pipeline. And it goes from where we are all the way to the city of Seattle. Or it goes from the Tolt Highlands all the way to the city of Seattle. It actually goes further than where we are. And there's lots of mountain biking trails off of it. Um, and it's open access, right, for joggers and trail riding and bicycles. And um, so we have long, you know, wet winters here. And we do all of our fitness work on the pipeline on the gravel roads, basically, in the wintertime. Wow. Mm. The pipeline. Yeah. That's really cool. That is cool. That is awesome. That is cool. All right. So, Mark, one thing we love to do in the show is we love to go back and hear your origin story. So can you take us back and tell us how you got your start Mm -hmm. in horses and then into eventing? The origin story makes it sound very dramatic. Um, (laughs) I got my my start... um, (laughs) <laughs> I got my start because my owner riding was in my blood. It was part of my family. Um, my dad is a cowboy or my dad was a cowboy. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, my mom is a dressage trainer in the area um, as well as her partner. And my older sister's a dressage trainer. And my um, other older sister is an event rider. Um, and then my brother doesn't ride horses. He doesn't like horses. So yeah, we've, uh, it's just been a part of the family as long as I can remember. Wow. A cowboy. Like, like, a, like, uh, yeah. what type of cowboy are we talking? Like, a like, a, like a working ranch guy or like a, a go to the rodeo. Guy so he, he grew up in, uh, New Mexico, um, like right on the outskirts. It used to be the outskirts of Albuquerque. So he, as he describes it, he would be able to, you know, he's had, had his horse in his backyard and he would just be able to get on and just ride, you know, basically across the desert. Um, before New Mexico and Albuquerque, the area had, had built up into the metro area that it is now because it's very sprawling and very big now. Um, and then he was, he was also in the Navy, but I believe it was before that or some, somewhere, somewhere right in that time he rode um, bucking horses. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was he actually, my dad's good quarter horse as, we, as um, I was growing up was also the dam for my, you know, a couple of really good event horses that we had, right? My mom would breed my dad's, my, because at that point she wasn't a very specialized horse, but he would, we'd go team penning and do lots of different things. And then every once in a while, my mom would breed her to a sport horse stallion. And um, both of my sisters had event horses, their first event horses, really. And I got to ride each of those horses when I was quite young. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really awesome. And now mom, so uh, mom, is that how you got into the, the English side? Like, so, so mom's side was, was all, you know, proper dressage. Yeah. And that, so you just. Yep. Proper dressage. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, when I was a kid, I stopped, I, we all rode Western actually when we were very, when I was very young, we all rode Western. Um, and then I quit riding for a little while till uh, I was 12 or 13 years old. Till I realized the girls at school thought it was cool. 
um, basically. And, uh, and that's when I started picking up English and, and jumping a little bit. I remember jumping in my Western saddle um, on a strangely on like a sixth grade field trip where we were within walking distance of the elementary school. So we, I don't know if it was my whole class or a bunch of, anyway, they walked over to my house and I did a little jump exposition in my, you know, my Western saddle. And um, I don't know why that memory sticks out to me, but um, yeah. So my mom was proper dressage and, you know, pony club, both my older sisters are a pony clubbers. So I had to go that route and get my, my a pony club, you know, it took me a little bit longer. Um, and it was just, everyone sort of looking over my shoulder from the, from the English disciplines. How about that? So the A Pony Club, that's, I mean, how, how, how old were you when you got your A? Don't quote me on this. I was 23, probably maybe 24. They had, I, I was right in that. I, I like turned 21 and I said, well, sorry, mom, I can't get it. And then they extended the age and I was like, a, I was like a C3. So then I had to go back and do the, it extended it to 25. So I had to go back and do those um, ratings, Wow. Uh, which was, it was tough for me. I was already going advanced and not very well, but I was going advanced. And then, you know, to be told that you can't sit the trot, which of course I couldn't, right. But at the time I thought I could, it was uh, by a pony club examiner to be told I couldn't sit the trot and I failed my, my B, I think the first time I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> um, but it was a good thing for me and uh, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah. That A is something else. I mean, it, it's not, it's simple. not easy. It doesn't club, which I know I'm sure a lot of listeners do, but for, for anyone who doesn't, it's, it is, it's a lot of work. You got to have the right horse. And, and, and I mean, I know, yeah. it, you know, it's a lot of work. And, and like you say, if some examiner says, Hey, you can't sit the trot, you know, to whatever they, whatever the level is that they, uh, you know, are instructed that you have to be competent at, you know, um, I'm sure there's a, a gradient that there is some sort of curve. I'm sure that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not, but either way, you know, it's, it's hard to have some examiner fail you on a sitting trot, you know, like, uh, like there's a lot of kids that drop out after a bad examination. You know, it's not- yeah. It's tough. It's very tough. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad I stuck with it. I mean, I dropped that once, but then I went back. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, uh, at this time in your twenties, were you looking to be a full-time uh, you know, event rider or, or were you had any eyes on, on other words? Yes. So at that, at that time I'd already decided, um, so what I graduated high school, 2006 and, um, and I went straight, I got my, I don't know if you guys have something similar out there, but here in Washington, we've got what's called the running start program. So when you're in high school, you can do, um, your junior and senior year of high school, you can, the state will pay for you to go to community college. And if you do it right, you can graduate high school with your um, two years of associate's degree, which is a direct transfer degree. So then you can go to an in-state school and get a four-year degree in two years. Wow. Um, so I graduated high school with my um, two-year associate's degree in business management um, from the community college, Olympic College in Bremerton. Um, and then I transferred to the University of Washington at uh, the Milgard School of Business. And I spent a few months in Seattle um, and I just absolutely hated it. And that's when I decided to um, to go full time. I mean, I always kind of figured that I was going to, um, but that's when I decided to go full time. And uh, I eventually I finished my degree online. So I do a business management degree, but I was uh, yeah full time riding from then on. So about the time I was 18, 19 years old. Wow. And did you do like work in student stints or how did, or was it all through what you learned at Pony Club or? Yeah. Working students, um, for a professional named John Camlin. Um, he came through Jimmy Wofford all those years ago. Um, so John is down in Southern Washington. Um, he's got a place called Caber farm and I started spending summers there 
I think I was 15 or 16 as a working student all summer long. Um, and then my school schedule was fairly flexible going to the community college. So I, I basically ended up spending as much time as I could there. Um, and I still ride with John, but, uh, but I mean, I was, I was there sort of riding heavily under his tutelage. Um, my first prelim, first intermediate, first advanced. I mean, he was very instrumental in my career. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Is, is your your wife Erin also an eventer, your business partner, and she's a Pony Club A grad too? Uh, did you guys she meet? A, did you guys meet in Pony Club? Is this like a Pony Club uh, love story? Or Ooh, uh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> she's a better Pony Clubber than I was. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, no, we met actually at Cambridge Farm. Um, we were both working students there for a couple summers, and uh, yeah, and that's how it happened. Wow, that's really cool. I love it. I love a good love story. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so can you tell us, so because we're, we're on the East coast and, and, uh, you know, could you share with us what eventing is like in Washington and, and on the West coast? Like what is the scene like out there? What's it? Is, are, yeah. they, are there a lot of day shows or what's it like? I can just say that, you know, there's a reason that I'm still based here. We, we've lost a lot of eventers this year on a general, in a general sense um, from the West coast moving East. A lot of our professionals, mostly out of California, um, but even people like Maya Black, right? She's sort of been back and forth for a few years. She's a Washington-based rider who just moved back to Florida. I think she's planning on coming back in the springtime. But um, I, I, I have been here for a long time. I've resisted that draw because I really believe that we've got, you know, we have a short season, but we've got a very good set of events and very excellent people around the area. Um, we, you know, I'm on the area council and I most on the last call heard that uh, over the last year, we are the only area out of all, we have nine or 10 areas in the, in the country now, we're the only area that's increased membership over the last year um, in you know n- numbers because we have a very active scene. Um, we have very good events and we go from, you know, May to October. Uh, but, you know, it's sort of quanti- quality over quantity uh, for both the, the people, the events. And, um, and yeah, anyway, I can't say enough good things about it. As far as how it works, we go from May to October. We go every other weekend, basically. Everything is a three-day weekend. There's a couple of two-day events, right? But we generally, for an, for an event, we'll pack up and we'll leave on Wednesday. Um, anything from two and a half to... Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I guess Rebecca Farms, our longest drive is 10 hour drive. We, we would leave on, we leave on like a Monday because we start competing there on, on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so anyway, it ends up being almost a week long ordeal, right? We leave on sort of Tuesday or Wednesday. We go all the way through the weekend and uh, back late Sunday or early Monday morning, kind of depending on which event you've gone to. And we do that all summer long. Um, because of that, we've had to, personally, our barn has had to, you know, we don't get to go to all the events in the area because it ends up being, a, a, you know, we extend the season on either end, either we going east, um, going south. Going, so it ends up being a really long season if we have all spring, we're based somewhere else, and then every other weekend all summer long, and then in the fall we're traveling again. Um, so we've had to lose some of those in June and July. Um in August, actually, even just thin it out a little bit. But anyway, yeah, that's how it goes gotcha. around here. Hmm. And now you mentioned like going east or south. Is that every year? Do you head? Do, do you like take the yeah. winners? What's that? Um, yeah. So um, I I don't know what we're gonna do next year, but we're still working that out. You know, we're we're enjoying our end of the season sort of downtime at the moment. Um, but 
And this year got all thrown to bits because of the EHB outbreak in California. Yeah. But the basic outline, what we would like to be able to do is head down. We head down to California sort of sometime in February. There's a few really good events in Northern California. We like to get, I mean, it's good events all over California, but um, you know, we, we go as far as Temecula down to Galway Downs. It's a wonderful event down there too. But we try to stay um, that early part of the season a little more in Northern California. We base out of um, Andrea Baxter's facility, Twin Rivers, which is, they also run several events a year. They're, they're kind enough to rent me some stalls and paddocks. So yeah, we take a group of horses down there. We stay for anywhere from eight to nine weeks. And then we come back home here after their Spring International in April, which is like the weekend before Kentucky. And um, come back home. And that's when our season gets started shortly after that in May, right? As our weather improves here. Now, that being said, last year we went down with a group of horses. And the day we got there, the EHV1 shut everything down. So I sent some horses home. I drove east with some horses. Um, and everything got kind of turned on end. But uh, And I'm not exactly sure what we'll do this coming year. Gotcha. Wow. And then you're also a course designer. So are you designing a lot of courses out there? Um, yes. Yes and no. I'm not designing as many as I once was. It takes a lot of time. And I, uh, I've i been really focusing on my riding the last couple of years. So it definitely takes a little bit out of the, the course time field. But that it's fun for me. It's, it's very much fun for me. Um, I get to go to... Where, like I said, we're based out of Twin Rivers. So um, they are kind enough to let me design their two spring events, the March and the April events, uh, for the levels which I'm licensed, right? They also run the FEI in the spring, um, and I'm only licensed through intermediate at the moment. Um, so they, I get to design the horse trials levels intermediate and below. And we work with uh, Audrey Doyle and Morgan Roselle for, the, for some of the other levels. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, I get, I've, I've had the opportunity to design out at Rebecca Farm. Um, I do Innovale Farm now down in Oregon. Um, that one I've just done the last couple of years. There's a great event in Cheyenne, Wyoming, actually, of all places, right? Dead middle of the country. Um, and I took over that one. Oh, gosh, it's been four or five years, I think. They run up through preliminary on this amazing piece of property. It's like a corner of a, of a public uh fairgrounds more or less um it's not like the big cheyenne frontier days fairgrounds but it's another sort of uh, public facility and uh and it's basically land that no one else wanted to use so you know you've got a couple of little flat spots and it's very very hilly um and yeah i, I do i get to do a bit of that that's that's fun for me you know at the, the course design stuff it's it's almost a break from the uh the stress of the riding and the training and that kind of thing yeah I always wonder about course design. I mean, I would never do it. I mean, I'm not a rider, so it doesn't like, but I'm, I'm interested in it. Like, I think it's cool. Uh, you know, someday if I ever had, if I ever had extra time, I'd like <laughs> to like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind helping with, you know, like we know like David Taylor over here mm -hmm. on the East coast and, you know, someone, you know, we, I know if some people, you know, Eric Bull and stuff, people I could probably help out with. The problem is time. I don't have time, yeah. but I would never be a course designer because yeah. I don't ride, you know? And I do think that obviously you have to, I think there has to be a level of obviously riding to be able to, to design it. But, um, there's a feel for it right yeah. um but it's so much fun even if you're not designing just just to go out with somebody like eric bull is a good example i haven't worked with him but i know that he has a good feel even as a builder um, i don't know how much designing he does but um, to go out with somebody that's really good like that right that knows the ground and watches all the horses go and to just talk about who does what when where why like you know how the horses are going to handle different shapes of jumps and and you know it, it's really 
the, the ground, right? Like that dictates what where the jump should be for the most part. And then how do you assign that to sort of different levels? And how do you make something a four-star question versus a five-star question versus an intermediate question? And they're all, they all look the same more or less, right? They're also all the same questions, but you're shortening up the reaction time on the horse for the horse and for the rider. Um, and then, and then the difficulty of the balance and the speed on the terrain and how they're going to react to that. Um, so anyway, it's, it is very interesting, even if you're not a designer to just get to go through and talk, talk with those guys that are really nerdy about it. Yeah. yeah. See, that's it. I'm really nerdy about stuff like that. And I am curious, like you, you touched on all the things that my brain, so, you know, you, you get me or I get you, I don't, what are the other, but, but I get like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I know, obviously I would never be qualified to be a designer or even go that route, but I'm interested in that whole thing, like the the, the logic behind it. Have you ever, uh, I mean, just because I'm a nerd about this stuff, have you ever designed a course uh, on on Virgin Ground, kind of like Ian Stark with the five star? Like, I, I look at what he's created, and I think to myself, "Wow, you know, this, that, that that's it doesn't seem like that happens too often, especially with five stars, um, where you get just this piece of ground that's a blank slate, and you just out of your out of your brain, you know, yeah." Especially with five stars, right? And um, no, I have not had that experience. Now, a few years ago, um, Spokane Sport Horses, a relatively new event in our area, they run up to three star now. Um, they, I say a few years ago because I remember when they didn't have anything at that property. I was clinicking in Spokane a lot, so I was teaching when they were first coming in, and and I guess they had a couple. They had, they had a water jump and a couple of features that they had built the previous year. But I remember seeing that place and thinking, like, oh, you know, this is it's nice. Uh, and then, and James Atkinson was the one who got to develop it. He was the designer. He did almost all the building as well. And to see where it is now versus where it was then, it was a great learning experience for me because I'm like, wow, I gotta, I gotta expand my pot. Like, I, he, there's, there's, he's using places, he's using ground that I didn't even see, right? But you know, he, he cleared out trees and cleared out bushes and, and made tracks on terrain that I didn't even know existed. I'm like, I, I gotta expand my horizons a bit. And I think Ian's had the opportunity to do that. At Maryland as well. Um, I went and walked around it last year, not this year. It's yeah, it's, it's fantastic, right? And then you had the added difficulty in his case of running a five star. He didn't get to do, you know, they they do a test event for the Olympics for a reason, right? Not just the logistics, but they want to see how that ground's going to go. He didn't really get a test event, so um, yeah, I think that it's it's a big test that he's had to do. And no, I haven't had personally been able to do that yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see that. And, you know, I kind of feel I, I feel for him a little bit because the first year, you know, a number of people made the time. And then the second year, they thought they tightened it up. And again, I think there was a wheeling issue the first year. And then this year, you know, there's certain riders, I think, were a little bit out of line with the way they talked about it a little bit. But, you know, but when you design Kentucky or Burley or Batman, you do have a little bit of the luxury of it's been ridden for years and years and years. Yeah. So, you know, setting yeah. time, walking it, knowing how every bit of terrain and every little change is going to be affected. It's much more quantifiable, I think, on those courses. So I think Ian's doing an amazing job. And I think that it's like it's um, and it was his first five star. So it's a lot of stuff. But um, I can only imagine, like you're saying, it's like a topographical map of of you know so many miles and and to use all that terrain and and it's just it's i i am everything everything yeah. you course designers do i am so in awe of what a course designer does because it's it is incredible i i don't want to beat the end thing to death but i um i got a chance to walk around rebecca farm with him at the aecs i think and um he was wheeling his course with uh td sharon antico um 
because there was a discrepancy, right? And he went and he showed her how to how to use a real wheel because the GPS ends up wheeling a little bit long, right? Over an intermediate track. It was close to max, I think, but it was like 150 meters long. And then um, he showed me, actually, surprisingly, the lines that he's walking are a lot tighter than the lines I'm walking. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't know what happened at Maryland this year, but I can guarantee you Ian's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to make it the time difficult to get. Um, and I think that part of that, that that likely got underestimated is he rerouted that whole track so that you didn't have that last three minutes uphill or two and a half minutes uphill that we had last year, which basically took out like that that quarter, last quarter of the course, he didn't get to ask very many five-star questions. He rerouted the whole track so that he could ask five-star questions throughout. And again, so it's, it's almost a new track. You don't know how the horses are going to react to that still. And they were fitter than he thought they were going to be. And the weather was perfect. And I, I don't know that he made a mistake. Um, but like I said, who, who knew it was going to go so well? How could you know, right? right. Yeah, exactly. But now, and I think that uh, Tammy Smith, she she mentioned it in a press conference. She said, you know, some of the people that are, are traveling in or flying in, they're not. Now we we live down the street. We know the the fall weather in, in Fair Hill, and we we've had many years at the old Fair Hill International where. Uh, it is a deluge. It is downpour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Tammy made a good point. She said, you know, had we had the rain that a lot, of, eventually that Maryland five star is going to get rain. It's well, gonna, it did get yeah. rain. Well, but it got rain, but it made the track perfect as opposed yeah. to the rain on the day where it slowed things down. Right. Um, yeah. You, you know, like that was two weeks before the rain. You, you yeah. got, so, you know, so you had that. And also as a course designer and Ian's had, you know, this year, earlier in the year, there was some, uh, you know, there, there was some rough, you know, accidents on courses and stuff like that, where, you know, he, he, it really, it really affected him. You know, there's such a microscope on our sport. All of a sudden you start having, you know, everyone wants it more difficult. And I, and I, and I'm for it being difficult, like, trust me, but you know, at the back of his mind, he, and he said in a press conference, he and himself said, look, I want to get everyone home too safe. I want to get everyone home that our families. And, uh, you know, so I, 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 I'm, I just, I I don't mean, I somehow I got on this whole Maryland thing (laughs) and Ian, but being a course designer, you know, I just, I find it very interesting to, the, the, you know, the, what's been done and, and the, the task and, um, you know, the task that you course designers have, if you're, listen, we know someone who doesn't walk today going over, I think the first or second training jump across country one day, mm-hmm. you know, it's a serious job you have as a course designer. And this, this yeah. person doesn't walk because of anything the course designer did or did not do. It was just an unfortunate accident. But the point is, from in at a five star or you, if you're designing a novice, it, you know, like it, it's, it's serious business. And I think that, um, you know, I just, I have all the respect in the world for what you guys do. I, I really do. And I think it's incredible. So yeah, I just want to say it that. is a very serious job. And I think people don't understand that part of it, right? Like not only do you have to uphold the standard, which is what everyone's mad about, like thinking that Ian did, but you have to get everyone home safe too. Mm-hmm. And people die in this sport and horses die. And, and like, no one wants that to happen on their course. So trying to find that balance is, is really difficult at that level, I think, um, at every level. But at, at, I think it's really clear at almost all the levels that you get to five. Because it's also the cutting edge. It's not just what's a five-star, but what was a five-star three years ago is probably not what a five-star is now because, you know, the people are getting better. So where are we going to be in three years? And, and, and you know, Ian and Derek and Mark, those guys get to decide the, the path that our sport's going to take with their course design. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big task. Man. As yeah. a course designer, 
Is there a obviously you have training and things like that that you have to do. Is there a continued education? Is there a group? Is there like certain calls a year yeah. that you all have to be on or how does that, how does that work? If you don't mind taking this um, behind the scenes. There's not, there's not like a, a group, you know, or, or email thread or anything like that. Um, but there is a continuing education. Definitely. It's every two years, I believe you're required to attend a clinic. So like I'm, I'm due up for continuing education this year. Well, I was due up this year. The problem is they had them at Galway and um, Chat Hills. And it's like, these are both weekends that I'm competing. They won't let me compete as well as to my continuing education. So I got a, I got a one-year extension. And next year, I will do an... Um, I think I'm going to go to Poland and do an FEI continuing education and upgrade course because that'll count for my USEF license um, because it's the only date that works for me. So anyway, you do have to do continuing education. At the moment, in my USEF account, I've got a flashing notice that says, "I, you know, if I want to, if I want to renew my license, I need to do." There's like a written exam, 200, 200 multiple choice questions or something wow. like that. I haven't looked at. It. I haven't done it in a couple of years, um, which is all about like you know the different slopes and how they affect the horse's stride and some of the rule book questions and some knowledge questions, things like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of continuing education, I think, but it also depends on. Um, really the way the learning comes in um, when you get involved with the people who are doing it, right? Like there's no better time that you get a lot more at, out of one-on-one -on -one practice with, you know, I, my, one of my favorites is Burt Wood. He's a builder designer out here. He does a lot of the big events. He's slowing down now. He's, he's you know, he used to do Galway and Woodside and he's starting to do less because he wants to, you know, he's building a cabin in Montana. Um, but the, the times that I've got to spend with him at Rebecca Farmer at any of the events just, talking about stuff or moving a jump, right? From, you know, and, and then look, okay, we've got these 20 jumps and how, how are we going to, you know, just as far as layout of the course, that's the best continuing education you can get. So it really comes down to working with good people. Um, but there's definitely requirements on it. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you taking this in inside a little bit of the course design stuff. I'm very nerdy about that. We don't get that many courses. Very interesting. It is yeah. interesting. And, and it's and very I, important. I think it's super important. I, I, I like to do more of that stuff and talking with course designers and picking their brains. Maybe we could do like a round table with course designers. Ooh, Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Let's do that someday. That know. would be good. Get some controversial questions. Yeah, yeah there we man. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like Mark's in. There we go. <laughs> we got our first guest for the round table. So hey, tell, uh, us, tell us a little bit about the full Gallup eventing and the business and what you guys do over there. All right. Um, so we've been lucky since the beginning of 2020. We partnered with um, Simon and Neely Floyd. This is the basement of their house that we use as the barn lounge. Um, they've got a facility here. It's only eight acres. So it's a small place, but we've got um, space for 24 horses with runs. And so everybody has a, you know, people don't, people don't realize how much rain we get here in Washington. Um, and the way that it affects the way we manage the horses is they've got to have all weather turnouts which means gravel and drainage. So uh, so that's where they get all runs off their stalls. We don't have big turnouts like you see in Florida or Pennsylvania, some of those other places, because the ground just doesn't hold up to it. Um, that Compare that with the fact that, you know, real estate in this area is unbelievably expensive. So even if we had the space, we'd only get to use the grass a little bit of the year. But um, so yeah, eight acres, 24 horses, comfortable stalls and paddocks. Um, like I said before, we've got the pipeline, which borders one side of the property over here to my right. So we have miles and miles and miles to ride. Um, and then the business itself, you know, Aaron, um, my wife and I run it together. Um, we've got, I, I mean, 
We've got, been able to refine and change our business a lot over the last 10 years, probably. And I feel like we're in a really good place now. We've got a lot of um, full training clients, um, or rather flat rate training clients, which means they just play a fat, flat rate every month instead of having to pay by the ride or by the lesson. Um, and it's sort of an a la carte service, but they, they pay just a flat rate. Uh, everybody that's in the barn is on flat is on the flat rate training, so that makes it so you know our income is predictable month to month instead of um, you know having to guess at who's coming for lessons when or it doesn't fluctuate seasonally or whatever. And it, I've got a few horses in the barn. Aaron has a few horses in the barn. Um, we do we don't do a lot of sales. I should say um, I've sold a couple of horses this year. We've bought a couple of horses for clients. I bought a couple of horses for me, but that's definitely not a big part of our business. Um, I don't like that side of the business very much. I prefer to just have nice horses and get to ride them and train them. I enjoy the training side of it a lot. My wife Erin probably does the majority of the teaching now, just because she likes doing that uh, maybe more than I do, um, and I like the training of the horses and. Yeah, it's everything seems to to flow nicely. That's pretty cool. Do you, are you guys booked up, or do you have room for former training people to come in? Mm, we've had just a little bit of movement um, this fall. I don't think we have any space. We don't. Have, we don't. Have, I brought. I, I mean, we've had a little bit of ins and outs, ins and outs, right? And it is a slow time for us, but. Um, like I brought my two-year-old in um, to back him. We sat on him for the first time today. Um, and uh, so, no, we don't have any space. Gotcha. We hardly ever have any space, right? If we do, it's just not for a very long time. Gotcha. No, that's, hey, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's a good, good thing. That is fantastic. <laughs> that's a good well, thing. Well, it's like you say, if the eventing... Like I said, the community is strong here, right? Like there's people want to event. And there's lots of trainers, right, focused around our area, but... But there's lots of people that want to do this sport here, so it's it's a great area. I'd imagine you're probably, I mean, and I, I could be wrong, but like you're probably one of the bigger names up in Washington. I would imagine. I will refrain from commenting on the size <laughs> of my own name. <laughs> well, we don't know. I mean, we don't know the community much. Yeah, I mean, we like, don't. You know. we don't. Well, uh, yes. I mean, we, there, I there's not a lot of five-star advanced um, riders in the area, um, and and yeah, I, w- I would. That that is one hardship that we've had. As I've, um, there's just not there's not a lot of advanced riders, and um, it's a, a little bit of you know. So it's it's we don't have a lot of events that run advanced. Um, we don't have a lot of instructors that really understand that level necessarily. You know, there's a select few that have done it that really understand. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, sure. I'm one of the bigger names, um, more sort of, cause it's a small pond more than anything else. Yeah, but I think it's fantastic that you're there and you know, that influence is helping. I mean, you know, it, it's great to have people. It's not easy. I'm sure at times, uh, but at the same time, it's like, hey, thank thank God you're you are staying there, and it's the area is growing. So I mean, it, it will come with some time. So it's like, uh, yeah, you know, I, was, I hope so. You know, I'm dedicated to it, and my family's here, and um, and I love this area. I mean, we've got we've got. It's it's funny. I, I I don't Florida. I've been in Florida, and it's just not my favorite place, right? Um, I love having the seasons that we have here. Yeah, it sucks that it gets dark early, you know, four o'clock in December. Um, but then it makes the spring so much better, you know? So, um, yeah, I love that, that we have actual seasons and even inside of that, our weather is mild enough. We don't really have any time that we can't ride or even that we can't ride outside. You know, we have an indoor, which is usable almost all, unless it's really cold. 
um, in which case it's usable. We just don't want to ride. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we've got seasons, but they're not so extreme. Like, uh, you know, Wyoming is a we've driven through that country and spent some time designing there. I swear that place is always trying to kill you, whether it's too hot or too cold or too windy. Like it's not nothing like that. It's quite nice here. Uh, and I appreciate you. I, I you know, we, we did look up, uh, you know, your farm and just to kind of learn a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. And I saw where you listed the all weather turnout. And then there was like, and some grass pasture. And I, and I, I I'm glad you explained that cause I didn't quite understand what that meant. So I appreciate that. Cause. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all weather I think is essential because otherwise you, there's six months out of the year where you could, couldn't use it mostly starting now. And then all the way through sort of May, the grass is just too wet, mm-hmm. um, which is why our season is short. Like it is. Yeah. And we'll have that problem here. I mean, I, I think that's common in our area where if you're, 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 there will definitely be your, your, your pasture, your paddock that will definitely have certain areas that are just complete, no matter how big it is, certain yeah. areas that are just so yeah. chewed up and sloppy. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we're, we don't get the Seattle rain for sure, but we definitely have the cold winters. We definitely get a lot of snow covering and a lot of melting in between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you get that yeah. snow that melts slow and it just saturates and the horses like to stand in the same spot, yeah. all graze together, you know, so it does, I, I get it. And that, and that comes with all those issues that the horses then are, you know, the, the health concerns with the horses and yeah, know, that they, I don't know. but I think it's interesting. I appreciate you sharing that because again, for for people that are from different parts of the country that don't realize in certain parts of the country, this is what, how, how we adapt, you know, um, you know, the, right. care, the care for keeping a horse in Aiken or, or dealing with sand in the diet and stuff mm-hmm. like that might be different than up here. So, right. um, you know, so I think that's, um, I appreciate you sharing that. And that's one thing I enjoy when we get to go into differences. Now, last year you, you went to Kentucky. Um, was that, was that what you ended up in Florida? Did you go to Florida to kind of train to prepare for Kentucky? Is that, um, no, let's see. Um, this year, 2020, 2022, right? Yeah. This year I went to Kentucky. Yeah, this year. Um, gotcha. This year. Okay. 20, so, yeah. 2021, fall, fall of 2021, I ended up in Florida. Um, and I had spent some time there. Gosh, it would have been like 2013, maybe. Um, I spent a couple, a, a little bit of time working for John and Jen Hawley down in Ocala. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Are you, uh, is Kentucky on the list for this spring again? That's plan A. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's the, the reason that I went to Morven Park this fall instead of trying to get to Maryland. Um, and, you know, I, the question I had to ask myself over the summer was, well, do I want to go do a five star or do I want to go back to Kentucky? And like, which route is going to help me do there, do that? Um, and, and I decided I want to go back to Kentucky and I want to, you know, fix my mistakes because um, I certainly made plenty. And um, yeah, that's plan A. Wow. So exciting. Yeah. That is awesome. We'll see you there. Yes, we will. We'll be there for sure. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> it's uh, it was, it was great to see you there. And uh, like, you didn't see us there, but we saw you and we were, we were rooting for you there. So it's good <laughs> to see you getting back and some redemption. I feel good. We're very lucky. We are very lucky people to come on the show. I think tend to <laughs> after that it's, it's top, top 10 finish. No doubt. So, there you go. I'm saying, I'm saying <laughs> you don't have to comment. You don't comment. I'm saying, so, but that's awesome. <laughs> All right. So Mark, we are going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. And oh boy. Okay. <laughs> quick fire questions is brought to you by Red and Goat Equestrian. Get your all weather outerwear by going to red and goat equestrian.com. Bam. So it's five questions. It's called quick fire, but you don't have to be quick. 
All right. Are you ready? Oh, okay. I can relax a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, right. you can relax. All right. All right. <laughs> Is there, are we, are we ju- judging this? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. strict grading. Strict we, grading. We, 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 <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, first question, favorite rider growing up? Oh, no. Uh, growing up. I haven't grown up yet. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's changed too many times. I'm just going to say Michael Young, but not when I was very young. I wasn't all that into the celebrity side of things when I was very young. But I've looked up to Michael Young for, as everyone has, for a long time. You know, similar body type to mine. So that's what I aspire to be. There you go. Very cool. All right. Do you have any good luck rituals or superstitions? <laughs> um, I'm just a little bit stitious, not superstitious. But, uh, yeah. Okay, Michael I Scott. Have, I, have, um, I have lots, and well, as we all do, right? Uh, probably the most is, uh, it, or, you know, before cross country, I try to sit down in a quiet place and just ride the course in my head. Just go over it how, how I want it to go. Um and that might take me five minutes or it might take me, you know, an hour, um, depending on sort of just, I don't know, I, I couldn't tell you what it depends on. But yeah, just going going through it and being able to sit down and um, and go through the course in my head. Um, beyond that, I've tried to let go of some of the, you know, my lucky whip and um, my lucky breeches finally wore out at the knees, right? So I'm trying <laughs> to let go, so, let go of some of those things and that. Uh, because the lucky whip falls apart too eventually, right? Like electrical tape will only get you so far. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's mostly just that. Like it really comes down to focus. Gotcha. All, right, All right, good, good answer. answer. Good answer. All right. Uh, what is one thing about yourself that most people don't know? Mm, most people don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, I should. I feel like I should have studied for these questions. <laughs> Um, let's say probably even my friends wouldn't know. I, um, I cook dinner almost every night for, um, you know, so it's just the way that things work out. Sometimes I get home from the barn earlier than Aaron does. And, uh, especially over the last year, like I, I I go in the kitchen and I make dinner for us almost every night. There we go. Very good. That's another thing we have in common. Yeah, there you go. I'm a a terrible (laughs) cook, but I do most of the cooking. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're good. You're I good. didn't say I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Living in Washington, have you ever seen Bigfoot? <laughs> um, Squatch country yeah. out there. Squatchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have not seen him. You know, the nice part is most of my time spent in the woods is on a horse and, and a horse can smell, smell Bigfoot or a bear coming from a mile away. So you're pretty safe um, <laughs> as far as staying away from, uh, you know, the, the greater dangers of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent right. answer. Oh, one more. Oh, we got one more. One more. Oh, my goodness. No, there's five. There's five. Yeah. <laughs> so I lose, I, I, I you can't, lost count. I can't count. All right. If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, I think I would go with um, McKinley. Oh, you know, the West Coast legend. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, for, and uh, I think that obviously Gene is a, a fantastic rider, um, but there's just you know that's just a big strong sort of horse that uh, that that you could really count on. Um, I think that would be one ride I would love to have. Man, that's yeah, an excellent. Very answer. good answer. Excellent answer, Karen. All right, well. 
A plus plus. If only he saw Bigfoot. I know. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I'm a big Bigfoot, big Squatch guy. <laughs> I'm big big Squatch guy. Uh, McKinley, that's an excellent answer. Very good. Yeah. We actually have become pretty good friends with Chris Ryan, who you know trained that horse and and sold him over. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a great guy. So, um, man. Yeah. Have you asked him about McKinley? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You want to see him get fired up? He loves he loves talking about him. It doesn't yeah. take much Does to get Chris. That sale though is the question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I, no. I'll have to ask yeah. him. We're actually going to talk to him here real soon. Yeah. Which by the time this comes out, we have already have had a, a new. Um, they do. He's very active with the Go for Gold, and he helps as a selector for the Go for Gold auction. Oh um, yeah. So. Um, are you guys going to do a show before or after? Yeah, just that? a short little. Go we're going to do a little short one. So by this time, by the time your inter- this interview airs, we would already have put that out. So, yeah, because um, yeah, okay. the sales the sales coming up here in just a few days. So, um, sales coming up next week. Yeah, we've been watching it closely. Where Aaron is trying to buy a young horse through there, and I've got a client looking as well. Um, and I'm going to be actually in Ireland, but like the day after the sale oh, okay. i'm going over looking for horses i think it's the 16th is the day of the sale and that's the day i'm going to get in there in the evening so gotcha wow mm. i would highly recommend reaching out to chris we can help you hook up he's he is a a fantastic fantastic guy and he loves every aspect of it. like he he just if for some reason you're out there and you don't find what you're looking for on your trip yeah, I would I would definitely mm-hmm. say if you had a few hours, ring Chris up and see if he knows anybody because we've talked to some people that have actually done that. And yeah. Chris brings out some pretty heavy hitters. Oh, uh, he's awesome. pretty well. All pretty, right. Highly rock. Yeah. He's and, he, uh, and he's usually uh, the young event horse judge. Yeah, um, right. he, he wasn't right. this year, but he usually judges that. Yeah. Right. He's a so, wonderful, wonderful, yeah. wonderful person. Great so. guy. Uh, but yeah, so McKinley. Whew, what a horse. So <laughs> uh, you want to talk about a horseman, that guy. So Excellent answers. Yes, I love it. Very good. Excellent job. Uh, so Mark, do you have any advice for that rider trying to make it in this sport? Keep going. Um, you know, not to be discouraging, but like, this is really hard. You know, it's also the most rewarding thing you'll ever get to do. You know, like I said, when I was 18, 19, I was living in the city and I was still riding, but it was just miserable. Like I could feel the pull of something was missing. And, uh, and, and that's when I decided to go full time. I think that, if you keep going, I think that if you put yourself out there and make you know make yourself indispensable to someone who's either doing what you want to do or who can help you do what you want to do, um, even if you don't have the money to do it, right? I didn't have the money to start out, and I and I and I feel like I made myself an asset as a working student, and I and and through that I built a set of skills that um, that's now a marketable business, um, and and that just comes. I mean, keep going comes through hard work. Yeah, I love good it. advice. Excellent Very advice. Good advice. And I like it. I like it. You say, look, I didn't have the money, but we, we kept going and kept working. Hey, does mom give you I interest? I mean, we haven't accomplished what I want to do yet, but you yeah. know, we're still going. Yeah, yeah right. For sure. Do, does do, do uh do like your siblings or your mom that do dressage, do you get coaching with them or are they are they uh, like mm-hmm. above your level? Okay. My mom comes over um to the barn. She she lives twenty five minutes from here. So she comes over to the barn almost weekly. Um every Thursday morning, more or less. Um and yeah. And and she helps me on on, you know, two, three horses usually. Um and uh she was in Kentucky, you know, coaching me and and yeah. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. That's wow. awesome. What's the dressage scene like out there? Is it is that a similar boat as eventing or 
Yeah, it's really similar. There's uh, there's a few really strong people, right, and and programs um, that are scattered about a little bit. There's a few really good show facilities, but the season is short uh, because. I mean, even more so for them, though they do get they ride on an all-weather surface all the time. They're a little pickier about the weather than we are. So, um, yeah, they the season is short. Um, every once in a while, you know, somebody will travel back to what is it, Lamplight in Kentucky and things like that, which is is always fun. Um, I know that the young rider team I think is pretty strong, um, but you know, it's it's very similar. We're really handicapped by our short seasons out here. Um, which means, like I said, you got to travel to extend them one way or another. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 So, <clears throat> well, listen, I guess, um, we've, we've covered it all, Karen. I know. Let's, uh, a lot. we'll start winding it down a little bit, but before we, you know, wrap it up, we always, we just have two final questions. Number one question is just, we'd like to ask about any sponsors and supporters that you guys would like to shout out. Cause we, th- we think that's so important that we, we, you know, that these teams have great help behind them. So we always like to make sure we give you the opportunity. If you had anyone you'd like to shout out. I appreciate that you guys do that. And I'll, you know, I'll try to keep it brief. The list of people who have supported me through the years and, and up till now is, is too long to list here. Um, Definitely, you know, Team Rebecca is right at the top of the list. Um, Sarah and Jerome Broussard, they have, um, they, they let me, years, 10 years ago or, or more, they let me ride, you know, horses like Burnhill Eagle and Quintus 54 um, that had been around Kentucky. And then they supported me with my current top horse, Campari, FFF. Um, and they have been sort of unrelenting in their support to me through the years. I, I can't thank them enough for that. Um, we've also got a group of owners, uh, in the full Gallup syndicate and, uh, and I don't name them all here, but they've, they've, you know, they've got two horses now, young horses in the, in the syndicate and they've been with me for, for many years. And again, that they're, they're more of my, um, clients around the barn and people that I'm, I'm, I get to interact with on, on a daily basis, but, uh, you know, they stepped up to support me personally, not just on the business level is, you know, it's the kind of thing you can't thank people for, um, can't thank them enough anyway. Um, this last year I was the recipient of the Rebecca Broussard, um, developing rider grant, the little Becky grant. Um, and you know, I probably put all that money in my fuel tank driving back and forth across the country, but I got to thank that grant committee for entrusting me, um, and the previous riders that won that, that, you know, entrusting me with that, with that money and saying that, that they do believe that I would go out and, and make the most of it. Um, that is certainly not something that's, that's lost on me. Um, and then there's the brands. I mean, Prestige Saddlery, right? Prestige Italia, they've been, been with me for a very long time. I don't think I could ride in anything else. Um, not that I, you know, I, I don't think I wouldn't want to, and I don't think that I could, whether they were sponsoring me or not. Um, Triple Crown Feed, probably the other really big sponsor. And Olson's Tack, they're our local tax store here. Um, they, those guys, and Sam Shield and Fabri, and like the, these are companies that have been have been standing by me for a long time, and um, a lot of times, but me, I feel like it's support that I don't deserve. So it's great to give them recognition. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Hey, Triple Crown Feed, one of yeah. our sponsors too. One of our sponsors, Boom. yep. Uh, <laughs> one of the best companies we get to work with, definitely. Yeah, I thought your horse sure. looked like they was like the shiniest at Kentucky. <laughs> See? <so>. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, it's that Triple Crown Feed. Factor the true yeah. crown feed factor. <laughs> Very cool, awesome. So, uh, you know, so the last question is just how do people follow along? How do people, um, you know, just follow along with the, the journey and 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 the business and see what's going on with you guys? Um, look us up, you know, full, on, on Facebook and Instagram. It's full Gallop Eventing. That's not the same as Full Gallop Farm. Um, who knew when I named my business that 
that Instagram and Facebook were going to get so popular that it was going to be a conflict with a place that's naked. Um, every once in a while, we get messages with people who are like, you didn't, you know, I didn't sign up. You know, I signed up for your event and I'm not on the entry list. Like, oh, sorry, wrong full gallop. Um, <laughs> but any, uh, yeah, full gallop eventing, find us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm not active on it personally. I, I, I can't stand social media, um, bit, but but we are out there and, and you can totally, you know, you can reach me through there or you can just follow along with what we're doing. Um, we're, we are out here. You know, there's lots of us out here on the West Coast um, working away, waiting for our opportunity to shine. Yeah. Well, I really I, I really can't thank you enough for, you know, being a good representative for, for Washington State and eventing out there and, and really sharing with all of us, you know, what's going on out there and the pride. I can hear it in your voice that you're proud to be out there mm-hmm. and uh, – and you're proud that it's growing, and I think that's fantastic. And we need that. We we definitely need that. We need more people doing it and getting out there, and not and not. <clears throat> hopefully, we have some people that are listening that are like, "Hey, yes, here we are. We're represented." And I always feel bad. You know, I've always I've been in those predicaments where I felt like I was in that little smaller group or smaller minority in a in in the eventy world or the pony club world. And you know, you feel like you're on an island. You don't feel like you get representation. So yeah. uh sorry for anyone out there that's listening that thinks that maybe we don't get enough Washington but uh, West Coasters, but we're trying and we do see you out there and we know you're there mm-hmm. and, and we just uh, we can't thank you enough, Mark, for for being our guest and 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 doing a great job of highlighting that. And anything if the if the West Coast or Washington State ever needs anything from Major League Eventing to kind of help, just let us know and we'll be glad to kind of help promote west coast event we want we want the whole sport to do well and and for it all to do well we need to <clears throat> we need to bring up those areas that are, are are underrepresented well i really appreciate that and you know thanks for having me this has been a this has been a fun one hour almost hour on the dot you guys must do this all the time <laughs> we've done a few hundred, <laughs> just a few, <laughs> hundred, a few hundred. So awesome well thank thank you again yeah, this is fantastic you. yeah thanks a lot guys thanks for listening If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and never miss an episode of the Major League Eventing Podcast.